Hey there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is the Gem Jam, where we do an episode-by-episode recap of the 1980s cartoon Gem and the Holograms, because it is truly outrageous, and it might not know what the definition of the word scandal is. Today we are covering episode 29, i.e. season 2, episode 3, Scandal. So this episode is written by Mary, apparently according to IMDb, it's Mary Screenies. I've been pronouncing it wrong this whole time. We have seen her writing before in The World Hunger Shindig, In Stitches, and Island of Deception. Oh, she wrote Island of Deception. Okay, so she does the high quality nonsense. So the holograms are on Venice Beach. They're sort of taking like a small vacation, I guess, like in, in as much as they're somewhere else and they're not recording. And everybody's really relaxed except Rhea, who you might remember has been a part of the holograms for all of five minutes. And she's like, oh my gosh, in an hour, I'm going to have my first interview. What should I do? What should I say? And the holograms are like, don't worry about it, Rhea, you'll be fine. Yeah, Kimber's like, be yourself. They're saying don't worry about it as they pass a billboard that says Harriet Horn barbecues the stars. On channel 91. 91! <laughs> How many extra cable packages did you have to buy in the 80s to get channel 91? I do think it's kind of cute that Screenies actually is doing like a continuity thing where it's like, oh, Rhea actually is brand new to the band. She would have had to be really sure that her episode was going to air right after the talent search. Because otherwise, it's like normal gym timelines. It's like 20 episodes later, and Rhea's like, I'm brand new. And then we've got Jetta, who just acts as though she's always been here. Anyway, they arrive at the beach, and Rhea's like, I hope I make a good impression. And then Jim, like, waltzes into the frame. Did someone say, make an impression? Also, Rhea's wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Uh, you know, they're on the beach. Don't worry about it. So we get our first song of the episode, which is, of course, Gem and the Holograms, She Makes an Impression. This was last heard in the Music Awards Part 1, i.e. it was the Orphan's Clothes Buying Montage song, where Christy Marks hated all of the outfits the animators used. And here we've got another shopping montage. Yeah, you know, I swear to God, is this only a shopping montage thing? Because John pointed this out to me when we were watching this. This song legit sounds like it should be used for advertising gum. It is a little jingly. She makes an impression. Double mint gum. And then the video ends with Rhea making sand angels. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a physical impression. <laughs> California Beach, take one. Uh, so then we snap to our interviewers, who are Connie Lang and Terry Stone. They're the reporters here. Uh, excuse me, his name isn't Terry Stone. His name is clearly Rob frickin' Paulson. And uh, they mention they need an, a celebrity to interview, and they say, where's Sean? <gasps> now, the misfits haven't arrived yet, so Connie's like, get Sean ready. Oh, look, it's Sean Harrison, and oh my god, I forgot how bad his accent is. I, I, like, I sat down and I wrote out some of his lines in, like, as much dialect as I could possibly get. Uh... Like somebody writing a whole conversation full of moles in a Redwall book. Well, Gem and the holograms, my favorite ladies. Audience, you need to understand that as bad as Annie's accent is, it's even worse in the show. A good thing to remember is if you don't, you know, Sean is one of the long stream of Kimber boyfriends. Rhea's like, you know Sean Harrison, the British teen idol? Thank you for that exposition. Sarcasm quotes around teen, please. 
and idol. Again, we've brought up Sean Harrison a couple of times. I think this is actually his first time back since Serenis introduced him in the World Hunger Shindig. I think so. <laughs> Sean Harrison is our ambiguously, we're not sure if he's a teen who is an idol or an idol for teens because we're pretty sure he's like 38 years old. He's honestly about the same age as Craig probably because they basically have the same model. Connie brings out Sean for an interview and she's like, you often record other artists material. Are you looking for a song on Venice Beach? Sean says, and let me see if I can parse what I wrote. Me and the boys are here to perform at the Roller Rockout. And you guys, you will not believe what the Roller Rockout is. I have written down in my notes, boop, 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 Xanadu threat level Octarine. Repeat, we have Xanadu threat level Octarine. Oh, by the way, remember how they said the misfits aren't here yet? Yep. See that cloud of dust off in the distance? Oh, dear. Well, it's either the Misfits or Mortan Joe and his boys. And honestly, there's very little difference because then the Misfits crash Venice Beach in ATVs and it's amazing. Let's also point out that, like, they only have two ATVs between them. So it's Pizzazz and Stormer on one and Roxy Jetta on the other. And Roxy and Jetta hate each other. So I'm like, is this the glam rock version of a get-along shirt? Is this their get-along ATV? And Pizzazz just sort of gets off her ATV, which I'm pretty sure just did, like, a sick, nasty spill over the beach and was like, all right, we're here. Let's get it over with. And Terry Stone, thrilled that the Misfits are here, like, well, hi, yuck, hi there, ladies. And then as they're going through the interview of what they're doing in Venice Beach, Jetta name drops actual celebrities like Mick Jagger and Michael Jackson. I didn't know this show did that. We've got lunch with Mick Jagger, a possible recording with Michael Jackson, Pizzazz and Sean Harrison of something going. Okay, look, Mick Jagger and Michael Jackson both have alternate personas that we met in the Gem Jam. Where'd they come from? Delina Lerner and Tina Turner, like, get lunch sometimes? Has Madonna ever recorded with Luna Dark? These are all very important questions. Anyway, none of that matters. Rob Paulson just wants to nail Pizzazz, and Pizzazz might be into it. He's like, I have one more question. What are you doing later? And then Connie immediately stops the interview. She's like, okay, that's enough. Thanks, guys. Good interview. Turn the cameras off right now. Meanwhile, Kimber is hanging out on a bench up the beach. Sean walks up, and Kimber explains that she was just writing down a few thoughts I might turn into a song. Remember, Kimber's their songwriter. She writes all of those songs. In a little, like, pink diary that says my diary on the front, apparently. This whole premise is, hey, little girls, you want something accessible? Kimber says that she writes a lot about in her diary. She says, I can be as silly or as serious as I'm feeling. And then Sean tries really awkwardly to turn it into some kind of, like, come on. That's it. I'm not silly enough. Uh, this whole scene is just... And then he gets down on his knees and takes Kimber's hands in his... Forgive me lack of charm, finesse, or patience. No. We refuse. Then he asks, will you... Will you... What is it, Sean? Will you write a song for me, Kimber? Oh, Sean, do you mean it? What's that supposed to mean? It's like a marriage fake-out, but they actually do almost get married later? This makes me think of, like, that one thing where it's like, will you write a romantic song for me? It's not really that romantic when you ask someone to write you a romantic song. So Kimber is grabbed to get on set for this little interview. They agree to meet up later for dinner at a restaurant. Uh, the assistant grabs Kimber's bag, but misses the diary, which Jetta picks up. Dun, dun, dun. Kimber doesn't notice the diary's gone until much, much later, but that is a big diary. I feel like she, she should have noticed her bag is way too light. At the interview, Jem says they enjoying ourselves very much. And they talk about how they're going to be on Ms. Horn's uh, segment later in the week and how she tends to eviscerate the celebrities. She's the barracuda queen of rock gossip. And Kimber's like, well, we're pretty boring as far as gossip material goes, which honestly, yeah, they are. 
Are you kidding? They regularly get into hijinks that result in felonies. They get constantly kidnapped and threatened with death. I feel like that should be newsworthy. I, I don't know if it is in this society. Maybe it's been happening so much that it's not newsworthy anymore. Or maybe this is just part and parcel of, like, post-apocalyptic gem glam rock world. It is part and parcel, I think. You think it's just this ridiculous all the time? It's always firing all cylinders? Yeah. So, like, everybody almost gets killed by volcanoes on a regular basis? Oh, yeah, definitely. I don't have the wherewithal to argue against that. I mean, it happens to the misfits, too, anytime they're briefly good guys, right? Like, all we have to go on is our headcanon of what the limp lizards are doing off camera. The limp lizards are probably fine. Nothing happens to the limp lizards. They just live quiet, average lives. But we can cut to the misfits who are sitting in front of the television watching Connie and Terry's show. And they're like, they cut our segment. Stormer has the super dejected. Now nobody knows we're in town. Really? Nobody? You crashed the beach in ATVs. Yeah, for some reason, Pizzazz has completely singled Kimber out here. She actually says the words, gag me. Yeah, why single Kimber out of all those? Just because she's the one who stepped forward and said, oh, we're really boring is gossip material. I don't know, because... This is a Kimber episode. And also, Eric seems to focus on Kimber. Why shouldn't the rest of the misfits? I raise this a good question. This is another one of those episodes where Eric's not here. Presumably he's in his office actually getting work done because the misfits aren't around. Do you think Eric is trying to sign other bands while the misfits are away? Maybe. Desperately, like, out on the street. Do you have a band, old lady? Please. Oh my god. You. You, like, you play in a garage with your pal, right? Do either of you have dreams of world domination? Anyway, Jetta's got the diary. She tries to hand it off to Roxy with like, here, see what she says about you. And Roxy just sort of like, eh, I wouldn't waste my time and folds her arm. I really wish I knew if that was on purpose or not. Yeah, like were they planting the fact that she's illiterate this whole time or did they really just pull it out of nowhere? Because Roxy seems like the kind who would immediately want to know what Kimber said about her. Jetta, of course, instantly reads it aloud. Roxy isn't dumb, but she is so ignorant. And Pizzazz is such a rich, spoiled brat. And I love that Pizzazz doesn't even, like, try and deny it. She does not take offense at that at all. It's like, give me that. She says something about how Kimber, like, even badmouths her own group, and she looks up from the camera and is like, they'll be devastated. And then we get a fade to black that might be a commercial break, but I have no idea if it actually is a commercial break, because nobody's about to die. I think it's a commercial break. Kimber's gonna be really embarrassed. Memento Mori. Buy our dolls or else Kimber will be embarrassed. We're gonna put out a hologram diary, maybe buy that merchandise. That diary does look very toyetic, doesn't it? Anyway, we cut to the hotel. Why are they staying at a hotel on Venice Beach? They live an hour away at most. Because they don't want to drive that extra hour back if they have another interview, obviously. It's California. Driving for an hour is, is just a morning commute. Uh, so in this hotel room, they all have a delivery of paper. Um, all except Rhea, who doesn't get one. And uh, she hands them out to uh, Shayna, Aja, and Jerrica. In order, the papers read, Shayna can be so ridiculously insecure about her talent. It's a real pain. Aja was so cold today. Sometimes I wonder if she has any feelings at all. And sometimes I wish Jim were my sister instead of Jerrica. Holy jeez, that is cold! Pizzazz doesn't even know how, like, psychologically harsh that is! Also, the sheer fact that Rhea is not in her diary, for the insecure Rhea, you'd think that would be a big thing. I don't know, maybe she just doesn't have any dirt on Rhea yet. So, like, 
you would think that this would be the awful thing that will be sort of what our plot is going to wrap around. That they're going to have to, like, be really hurt about this until she apologizes at the end of the episode and they all get together. No, no, the tension's immediately gone. I kind of like that, though. Yeah, I kind of do, too. Because they actually act like adults. Shane is like... It smarts a little, but we know I'm sensitive. And Jem is immediately like, we know you love us. Forget it. Let's address this problem of your missing diary. And then Kimber also has a letter from the same person who sent the diary pages. Cool Trash Magazine has your diary. Cool Trash Magazine. I love Cool Trash Magazine. It's such an honest name. Well, so is the name of the guy that, like, owns Cool Trash Magazine, which we later find out is Pitt Slurman. I feel like Cool Trash Magazine was a placeholder name that never got filled in with an actual name, so they just kept Cool Trash. I mean, if that's the case, then it's like Snakes on a Plane, right? Where they decided that the placeholder name was the best thing. That's just the name of the magazine now. So we go to the offices of Cool Trash Magazine, and Jerrica stops them short outside, and he's like, Synergy, we need some intimidating personas. Which Synergy interprets to mean big hair and glasses. Oh, and, and Shayna gets a little typewriter rolly desk. They're not even, like, disguises. They just look like them with professional updos. Isn't Pitt Slurman gonna know instantly that these are the holograms? Apparently not. Jerrica's wearing glasses. Those keep Clark Kent safe. Obviously, they're gonna keep Jerrica safe. So, it turns out that Pitt Slurman, publisher of Cool Trash Magazine, is the kind of guy who giggles maniacally to himself alone in his office. So they march into the office... They are posing as Kimber's lawyers and her business manager. And uh, there's this bit where they're like, what are you doing? And Shane is typing on the keyboard. And it's like, I'm recording everything you say. That's not a real typewriter. These aren't hard light holograms. Shana's just tapping the air in front of her. Shana's doing some A plus acting to try and make it look like her fingers are actually touching the keys and not like ghosting through them. I feel like the holograms should run into more clipping issues than they do. Anyway, the guy gets like really upset about all this and he drops the diary which Kimber snatches and they leave. But it turns out Roxy was in the back room the whole time. Holding uh, just the dirt. You don't need the whole diary, just the dirt. Did somebody hand that to Roxy? Did she rip it out herself? Did Does she know that's the dirt? Was she just told by Pizzazz and Jetta that that's the dirt? Who handed the dirt to Roxy? How long was she in Pitt Slurman's closet? Slurman is delighted by what is ostensibly the dirt and says that all he needs is an interview with Sean Harrison to complete his scandal for cool trash. Uh, meanwhile, outside the office, somebody has let the air out of the glittering gold roadster tires. And Kimber simultaneously realizes that she's late for her date. And Roxy and Slurman drive by with Roxy being like, don't be late for dinner, Kimber. Yeah, it turns out she was supposed to meet Sean for dinner like an hour ago. Did Jetta overhear the part about the dinner date? Because she, she didn't have time to write that down. And then Kimber's like, Sean's going to think I stood him up because this is like the pre-mobile phone era. Speaking of which, Sean is waiting at a fancy restaurant with a phone at his table. Dear kids, these used to be a thing fancy restaurants might let you do. Otherwise, see the Chinese restaurant episode of Seinfeld. Here come the misfits. And they like snap what will someday be a selfie with Sean. They somehow catch him in a smile. Possibly a nervous grimace. And then uh, Pitt Slurman, because he's a cool guy, grabs a chair and turns it backwards and sits against the table. That's how you know he's edgy and breaks all the rules. And uh, he cups his hands and behind it he's got this tiny little recording device that he turns in at convenient moments as he like talks to Sean about Kimber and Pizzazz. 
It's not even that he turns it in on at convenient moments because the lines that he later reveals are on the tape are completely out of sequence. He like doctored the tape in real time with the power of his mind, I guess. That's not how you do that. Maybe TechRat is freelanced for cool trash? Absolutely. So pretty much like what, what he has here is that Sean was originally like singing Kimber's praises and saying Pizzazz is a jerk. And then he switched it around. So he sung Pizzazz's praises and said Kimber's a jerk. Well, specifically, he said Kimber's a child. I could care less. Could care less. Not couldn't care less, could care less, which implies that he cares at least a little bit because he could care less. I go on this rant every time. I'm sorry. We're all English majors. What do you want from us? So anyway, Sean eventually storms off. Slurman reveals the audio clip he put together and the phone rings. Kimber's finally calling and Jenna picks it up and is very, very British. So it's like, how do you not know that's Jenna on the line? She even's like, I'm sorry, ducks. Calls her a chicky at some point. It's like, how can you not tell that's Jetta? Anyway, Jetta goes on and on about how Sean was super mad at Kimber and left with pizzazz and then hangs up and Kimber starts crying. So they head back to the Holograms Hotel. Are you ready for some roller skating outfits? Oh my God. The roller rock off is roller disco. Roller disco in 1987. As they're on their way there, Kimber gets set this picture of Jetta, Pizzazz, and Sean. And Kimber, in a sterling moment of emotional maturity, says she's not going to let Pizzazz get to her this time. She's just going to believe in Sean. Which, yeah, honest adult maturity there. Because she knows Pizzazz has done this a thousand times before. Why wouldn't she do it again? And it does honestly take, like, a whole musical number to break her. Anyway. Uh, we go to this roller skate rally. The roller rock out. And it's honestly like a pretty cool location. No, it's not. No, it's not. I think it is. It hits my inner nerd and I love it because it's roller skating with rocking. The best part about this is that when the holograms pull up in their car, they come out of the car on roller skates as if they'd taken a running start at it. I'm sorry. I'm in my I'm in my Olivia Newton-John electric light orchestra Xanadu place. Xanadu. Xanadu. So they roller skate on in. It's a gigantic roller rink. With some seating in the back and a band on stage in front of the roller rink. Did they build this specifically for this event? Did this already exist? Surely this thing was condemned in like 1979. Apparently not. So we have this brief moment where Harriet Horn is here and uh, some dude just whispers in her ear, Kimber's being cool trashed, pass it on. Because apparently this is third grade. As evidenced later. And Sean, like, sees Kimber on stage. He calls out to her. And as she approaches the middle of the rink, hold it right there. Misfits roller skating outfits. I love Pizzazz's, like, dress and tights. They're amazing. They're in, like, evil tutus. And Pizzazz shouts out, Misfits, let's add some spice to this boring roller drama. Uh... And we have our Misfits song, I Love a Scandal. This is our first Misfits song that we've heard with Everybody New since I Like Your Style. And I have three questions. Where's the bold new sound? Where's the more complex music? Where's her accent? The Stormer didn't get anything she wanted. No. Instead, she got roller skate choreography. And like, the news sound. Also, I'm not sure someone has a crush on someone else counts as a scandal outside of like third grade yeah the headline they show for this issue of cool trash is kimber loves sean i could care less he says except in some shots the i is an l so it's l could care less 
I'm not sure what that means. I think it means that the detective from Death Note is involved somehow. This is a kid's show, so they can't exactly have, like, a sex scandal or someone cheating on somebody or anything like that. It's gotta be something emotionally accessible to the target audience of the show, which is 8 to 11 year old girls. Somebody found out your crush. Oh no, it's a scandal. Somebody found out your crush and they're all gonna tease you about it. And then in the music video, Pizzazz reaches out of the TV, grabs Kimber, and sucks her in. When did this music video turn into J-horror? There's also another headline from, like, another fake issue of Cool Trash that says Kimfer models rags in Paris. K-I-M-B-F-R. They didn't quite get that last line on the E. And then, like, once the music video ends, she just sort of, like, vogues over her shoulder. That was a vogue, right? Yeah, that was a vogue, I think. I've watched enough America's Next Top Model, you'd think, but no. Anyway, Kimber is devastated by this. She starts crying and she dramatically roller skates away and nearly gets hit by a bus. I feel like her nearly getting hit by the bus should have been the commercial break. Not only does she dramatically roller skate away, but a whole crowd of paparazzi roller skate after her. Like, that is an actual nightmare. Gossip rag reporters on roller skates. They are unstoppable. So the Misfits, like, roller skate around Harriet Horn and being like, did we blow your mind? And Harriet Horn is actually kind of impressed and agrees to have both the Misfits and the holograms on the show because I guess she doesn't watch Lindsay's show. But I mean, she also like thrives on like drama and gossip. So I don't know why Pizzazz acts like she just got a monkey paw wish. She thrives on gossip, but I don't think she thrives on having her theater burned down. Like she's not going to have a functional studio by the time this is done. So back to Kimber. Now, Kit... Can you tell us what the appropriate reaction would be to a native Californian uh, who is suddenly roller skating through a thunderstorm? Honestly, a pop star roller skating through the street crying is not as dramatic as the fact that, oh my god, it's raining, we have no drainage, everyone's standing in ankle deep water, the buses have stopped running, traffic is at a standstill, the world is coming to an end. Hoard your canned goods! Water is falling from the sky, what is this? So Kimber decides that she's never going to be able to ride again and then takes a bus back to the Starlight Mansion that drops her off right in front of her house. So Kimber comes in, goes up the stairs, Ashley is awake, and actually calls the Holograms hotel room. Although we never hear Ashley's side of the conversation, so I guess they couldn't get her for this episode. I have another question. If Ashley is the responsible adult at home, where is Mrs. Bailey? She's gone to bed, okay? (laughs) She goes to bed at 8 p.m. Jem basically thanks Ashley for doing the right thing and calling because it makes her a superstar. Yeah, we have a folded in superstar segment this episode. They said they're going to head home first thing in the morning and Rhea's like, why don't we go now? And they decide that Kimber needs to deal with her feelings and, you know, have some alone time, which again, not a terrible idea. Also, it is a cataclysm outside. So Kimber deals with her feelings in her own way, which is pacing around the room, thinking about everything awful that's happened to her in the past few days, then running to Synergy's room. Today, the entrance is right next to a fireplace. This changes daily. And then she shouts, change me, Synergy. Change me into someone hard and mean, someone who can never be hurt. So Synergy changes her into Joan Jett. She gets a rad makeover. Now, this isn't, like, the exact same outfit they used for her, like, I'm with Stormer outfit and the bands break up, but it's pretty close. Yeah, she was looking in the mirror going, actually, this is a pretty good look. It's it's more my aesthetic than normal hologram stuff. So Synergy actually manifests on, like, a daybed? She's just kind of reclining midair. And she says, your father wanted you to be strong, but I suppose tough is enough. And it turns out that Cave Starlight talked about Kimber to Synergy, like, a whole bunch. 
So this is like the first time since like episode one that Cave Starlight has been brought up. We know it's Emmett Benton, but we're pretty sure his name is actually Cave Starlight. His name is totally Cave Starlight. Don't argue with us on this. It's also the first time that we get some sort of hint that Synergy knows the girls a lot more than they think she does, and that Cave Starlight did more than make Synergy an all-powerful AV god. Kimber's like, what did my father tell you about me? And Synergy's like, why don't we watch some home movies? We see Kimber as like a baby, a toddler, a little girl, and a tween. Synergy sort of narrates over these videos and talks about how Kimber was always gentle and sensitive and creative. Cave Starlight is sort of looming in the background of all of these because we must not have decided what his face looked like yet. At 11, you performed a ballad for the school talent show. And some guys made fun of her as she began her sensitive ballad. Cave Starlight, like, gives her a pep talk. She goes out and performed it. Nobody knows how this is being filmed. Can Synergy see all this? How long has Synergy been around? How does she have this footage? Synergy asked Kimber, what did your father say to you? And Kimber said, he said, be true to yourself. Believe in your song and give the whole audience a chance. Are you sure you didn't mean use your gifts, never fear the unknown, Jerrica, you're so special, and also your other sister Faramir is there too, I guess? Wait, am I in the wrong gem? The really funny part is that nobody's gonna get that joke because nobody went to see the gem movie. Ayo! Anyway, Kimber decides that she's going to write a song, but she doesn't have her diary, so she writes her song on a box lid. Like a hat box lid that I guess is just sort of sitting there in the room? Maybe it's also a hologram? Yeah, why does Synergy have a vanity in her room? It's not like Synergy needs to look at herself in the mirror. Unless you don't trust the hologram maker. Synergy, I just need to double check real quick that you didn't turn me into a horrifying nightmare beast. No offense. Because you do that like a lot. Like a lot. Like way too much. Are you okay, Synergy? So the next morning, Rhea walks into Synergy's room and Kimber's just passed out on the floor. Like Synergy didn't be like, hey, Kimber, you should probably like get up and go to bed. Kimber wakes up. She's actually feeling great and asks if they're still on for Harriet Horn. And Rhea's like, yeah, but you don't have to go. We'll deal with it. And Kimber holds up the hatbox lid and she's like, nah, -uh. I got a song to perform. So at the Harriet Horn show, it's the Misfits and Harriet. Harriet's like, why did you take the diary you found to cool trash? And Pizzazz says, because Kimber's such a wimp, she deserved it. Wow, you'd think she'd try to finesse that a little more, but no. I mean, they're already saying they, quote, found the diary. Yeah, even in, like, Harriet's delivery of the line, there are massive air quotes. Anyway, the, uh, the curtain opens and Jem and the Holograms are here to perform their new song. Jem is on a Lazy Susan, and she just kind of keeps spinning around and around and around and around and around. I'm surprised she doesn't vom. I would. I would so vom. After, after like, three rotations on that, I'd be like, Ugh! It's also a really piano-heavy song, which, you know, Kimber wrote it with, mostly without any other instrument input, so that's nice. There's a lot of fans blowing their hair around. It's basically a song about how nice a diary is. They finish the song, they walk over to the couch, and Harriet's like, That was truly outrageous, you clever kittens! She said the thing. She said the thing! I thought you'd be mincemeat, and here you turn the scandal around with a song! I don't understand how that turned the scandal around, like, even the slightest bit. I don't know, like, I can kind of see it in that, like, instead of sort of denying that she wrote things, she just sort of says, like, yeah, I ran a diary, what about it? Also, it's private, you should all be ashamed of yourselves for reading it. Yeah, that too. And Harriet's like, wait, I invited a surprise guest. It's Sean Harrison. And his terrible accent. I have nothing but the highest regard for Kimba. Uh Anyway, Kimber agrees to write a song for him, and Pizzazz and Sean snipe at each other a little, and I would love to have more backstory on the Pizzazz-Sean thing. Do we ever get it? No. 
We don't. Also, when Kimber says that she'll write a song for Sean, Pizzazz, like, leaps to her feet and has to be restrained by the Misfits. She is ready to murder a man on live television. And Sean, like, does not care. He just, like, basically calls her a B-word. And so Harriet asks, after everything, Kimber, are you ever going to write in your diary again? Well, what do you think? Wonk. Honestly, like, as far as Mary Screenies' other offers for the show, I gotta say, this is probably one of the strongest ones. Like, I remember this being, like, way less solid than it is. Probably because just the premise of Jetta is mean because she stole Kimber's diary is just so hilarious. It sounds completely made up. We have one more Mary Screenies episode to go, and that is Mardi Gras, and that's gonna be... That's a heck of a thing. So our next episode is going to be another great one because this is season two and every episode is great. One Gem Too Many featuring the incredible return of Clash and also nobody being able to tell a real face apart from a rubber mask. The Gem Jam comes out every Sunday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and YouTube. Uh, we are also on Twitter and Tumblr. You can find us at the Gem Jam just about everywhere except for Twitter where we are at Gem Jam Cast. If you want to support the show, you can do that one of two ways. If you want to do things for freebies, you can give us a subscribe, a review, and a rating on iTunes, which really helps out our metrics there. If you have some spare dollars lying around, it turns out we're a Patreon-supported podcast. You can find us at patreon.com slash thegemjam. For a couple bucks, you can get some cool stuff. We started getting some pictures of the reward tiers featuring Kit's cross-stitches, and they are spectacular. You can check those out on our blog. Until next time, dear listeners, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this has been the Gem Jam, where we remind you, don't throw the outrageousness out with the bathwater. 